Hello, and welcome to podcast. I am host, Jesse Warney, and I am here to tell you everything I say in previous podcast, big lie. Donald Trump is very good president, big strong man. And what happened to General Michael Flynn was grave injustice. He was very good national security advisor. Good at listening, good at passing along messages to President Trump. So this week, we talk about how everything I say in the last podcast, not true. Hello and welcome to the Trump Scorecard. I'm your host, Jesse Burney, and every week, even ones where I'm kidnapped by Russian agents, I bring you the worst and weirdest stuff the Donald Trump presidency has to offer. Why do I do it? Because this is not normal. And this week was, I think, the not normalist of all weeks we've had yet, right? I mean, it was it was really crazy. This was, we saw the first major resignation slash firing of this administration. Uh, his first cabinet nominee had to withdraw for being a, a tax-cheating wife-beater. Uh, you know, Trump is mired in scandal about uh, his close ties to Vladimir Putin and his campaign's contacts with the Russian government, which, you know, frankly, has been obvious for months, but finally it's bubbling over into a real scandal. And, you know, to cap it all off, uh, Thursday, which is the day I'm recording this, he had this bonkers, bonkers press conference. And there is just so much to cover this week, including uh, a rash of raids and deportations. Uh, I'll be talking to Gabe Ortiz of America's Voice about that. Uh, So there is a lot to talk about. So let's get started. There's no question what was the biggest story this week. Obviously, it is General Michael Flynn resigning as Trump's national security advisor. And just in case you happen to be under a rock this week uh, or on vacation, let me give you kind of a quick summary. So during the transition, Flynn had conversations with the Russian ambassador. And in those discussions, he discussed sanctions. And that technically is conducting diplomacy, which you're not allowed to do if you aren't a government official. It's actually illegal. So Flynn denied this. He denied it publicly, and he also denied it to uh, officials of the incoming administration, including Vice President-elect Pence. And Pence also went out publicly and repeated these denials. So that was embarrassing to Pence, and that ultimately is what got Flynn fired. And Technically, he resigned, but in in D.C., when you have a job like Flynn's, when you resign, it's because you were asked to resign, and that is how you get fired. And by the way, as of Thursday, uh, as I'm recording this, uh, Trump's top choice to replace Flynn, Vice Admiral Robert Harward, he turned down the job because of all the chaos in the White House and because Trump wanted to keep a Fox News talking head as the deputy national security advisor. Harward, of course, wanted to choose his own deputy. But... What I really want to talk about is why this is such an important story. First of all, uh, it really matters that Flynn is gone from the government. He was a genuine bad actor. He was seriously, seriously Islamophobic. 
and he regularly like re- retweeted conspiracy theories. Uh, there was a good roundup of this in PolitiFact, and I will link to that as I always link to all stories on the website, thetrumpscorecard.org. Uh, but even if no policies change under the new national security advisor, assuming Trump can find someone who will take the job, you know, this is still really important because it handed a big loss to this administration. And that matters. Um, it affects how the White House will act moving forward as they encounter scandals. Uh, they will move more carefully, and that will make a difference. And there's something else that's really important about this story. It exposed the Republicans in Congress as utterly craven when it comes to the Trump administration. Uh, they refuse to investigate any ties between the tr- Russia and the Trump campaign or the Trump transition or the Trump White House. Instead, the the chair of the House Oversight Committee, Jason Chaffetz of Utah, wants to investigate the leaks that helped us find out what Flynn had said to the Russian ambassador. What's wrong to Chaffetz isn't that Flynn conducted these conversations illegally or tried to cover it up, but that Americans found out about it. And Trump, by the way, found out about it more than a month ago because the acting attorney general knew about it, and she sent Trump a letter. This, by the way, is Sally Yates. You'll remember her. She's the one who got fired for opposing Trump's Muslim ban. She didn't even get a chance to resign. She just got fired. After he found out about it, Trump gave an interview where he lied about whether or not he knew about it. Listen in. But Flynn wasn't fired until it became a public scandal. If we didn't know about this, Michael Flynn would still be the national security advisor today. You know, they say it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. And like everything else this administration does, they're failing, even at the cover-up. So I have to talk about this press conference Trump had Thursday. I can't talk about it in depth. The press conference was more than an hour long, and it would be like a 10-hour podcast to go through it bit by bit. It was like nothing else you've seen before except for a lot of things you've seen before from, from this guy. He couldn't stop talking about the election and about Hillary Clinton. He's like obsessed, and he atta- he attacked the media over and over and over again. He, he lied the entire time, constantly. He claimed that he had the biggest electoral vote victory since Ronald Reagan, which is completely not true. He, he was unhinged. He, he, that's just the best word. He was completely unhinged. But there is one moment I want to focus on in particular. This is April Ryan. She's a reporter with the American Urban Radio Networks, and she was asking President Trump about his plan that he talked about a lot during the campaign for inner cities. 
Are you going to include the CBC, Mr. President, in your conversations with your, your urban agenda, your inner city agenda, as well as... Am I going to include Are who? you going to include the Congressional Black Caucus and the Congressional Well, Hispanic I would. Caucus, I tell you what. Do you want to well set up the, the meeting? Do you want to set up the meeting? No, no, no. I'm, Are they I'm, friends I'm, of I'm yours? No, get a, set up the I meeting. I know some of them, but I'm sure Let's they're Let's go set up right a meeting. Now. I would love to meet with the Black Caucus. I think it's great. The Congressional Black Caucus. I think it's great. Did you catch that? He doesn't know who the CBC is. And to be fair, maybe the average American on the street wouldn't know who the CBC is. But in that context, he is the president of the United States talking about coming up with a plan to help inner cities. And he doesn't know who the Congressional Black Caucus is. And then, and then he tells a black woman to set up the meeting. Are they friends of yours? Listen, all black people know each other is a common racist trope. And let me repeat that word for those in the back who didn't hear it. Racist. In a press conference that was more than an hour long, full of just insane moments. This was the worst. If you listened last week, you may remember I talked about Trump wanting to dismantle the Dodd-Frank bill, the one that regulates the financial industry after the 2008 collapse. Well, this week, he signed his first real substantive bill. His actual first bill was just a waiver that uh, allowed General James Mattis to become the Secretary of Defense. So this is a story about the, the substantive bill he signed this week. It's from Politico from February 14th, Valentine's Day. President Donald Trump Tuesday signed the first in a series of congressional regulatory rollback bills revoking an Obama-era regulation that required oil and mining companies to disclose their payments to foreign governments. That regulation, part of the Dodd-Frank Wall Street reforms, was strongly opposed by the oil and gas industry, including Trump's Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, who, as head of ExxonMobil, personally lobbied to kill the Securities and Exchange Commission's rule that he said would make it difficult to do business in Russia. Funny how Russia keeps coming up. So like I said last week, this is the guy, Trump, who wants to drain the swamp. And the first bill he signs lets oil companies, including the one run by his Secretary of State, pay money to foreign governments in secret. Now, if oil companies are giving secret money to foreign governments, what do you think that's for? It's called a bribe, right? So this bill is essentially to prop up corruption in foreign countries. And this is the first bill he signed. The first bill Obama signed was the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act, which allowed women more time to sue for wage discrimination. And he also signed the Dodd-Frank bill, which said that oil companies bribing foreign governments is bad. So who is draining the swamp? The guy who signed the bill, making it harder for oil companies to bribe Russian officials? Or the guy who reversed that and then made the oil company head who wants to bribe foreign officials his secretary of state? It's a pretty simple choice, isn't it? (laughs) 
I want you to listen to something Trump said about autism to a group of educators this week. Have you seen a big increase in the autism with the children? Yes. Yes. In fact, our school has shifted its population, so more children with autism, definitely. So what's going on with autism? When you look at the tremendous increase, it's really, it's such an incredible, it's really a horrible thing to watch, the, the tremendous amount of increase. Do you have any idea? You, and you're seeing it in the school. Yes, I think, I mean, I think the statistics, I believe, are 1 in 66, 1 in 68 children um, are diagnosed with autism. Now it's coming even lower than that, which is just amazing. Well, maybe we can do something. So there's a couple of things wrong with this. Um, Trump implied that the rate of autism is going up, and that's technically accurate, but it's not going up because of higher incidents, according to experts. It's going up because more people know what autism is and they understand how broad the spectrum of autism disorders is and more doctors know how to diagnose it. So of course the rate of those diagnoses is going up, but the rate of incidence isn't going up. What Trump says feeds into the myths about autism and the conspiracy theories about autism being caused by vaccines. Trump himself has said that autism is caused by vaccine. And he met uh, during the transition with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who is a notorious vaccine conspiracy theorist. Uh, he and Robert De Niro, who apparently is is joining this bandwagon, recently offered $100,000 to anyone who could prove that vaccines are safe. Well, Guess what, jackasses? You don't have polio. That's pretty safe. But, you know, in all seriousness, this, this is really dangerous. Uh, these are conspiracy theories that can kill children. The fewer people who vaccinate their kids, the more everyone is in danger because that's how herd immunity works. If more people, even if you're vaccinated, if you are surrounded by people who are not vaccinated, you are still in danger of, of getting a disease. And now the president of the United States is feeding into these conspiracy theories. And that is going to mean that fewer people will get their kids vaccinated. That is really terrible. I should add that these conspiracy theories feed into the stigma about people who have autism and discrimination against people who aren't, as they say, neurotypical. And I want to briefly touch on a related story. Uh, just as Betsy DeVos was being sworn in as the, the Secretary of Education, the Education Department took down a website for parents of children with disabilities. They, they said it was a technical glitch, but it was just that site, and it was down for days. You know, you add to that... DeVos's agenda of promoting these charter schools, many of which exclude kids with disabilities. And that leaves kids with disabilities stuck in uh, public schools that people like DeVos take the funds out of to fund these charter schools. And that really says a lot about Betsy DeVos and Donald Trump's priorities when it comes to kids with disabilities. And now it's time for Quick, Quick hits. hits. I'm sure you heard about this story, but it is too nuts not to mention. Uh, Trump was at Mar-a-Lago last weekend, as he was 
the weekend before that, as he will be this weekend. Uh, if you're counting, he's been president for less than a month, and that is three weekends away from the White House. Uh, he was hosting the Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, uh, and as they were having dinner, uh, news broke that North Korea had launched a missile in violation of a treaty. That is, you know, what North Korea likes to do to get attention. And they were eating dinner, and so naturally their aides scrambled to, to brief them and, and prepare them, and they did this in a dining room full of Mar-a-Lago members. Now, I don't really know the details of how to become a Mar-a-Lago member, but I don't think you need to get a security clearance. I think all you need is $200,000 and to be kind of a jerk. And meanwhile, their aides were helping them read documents by pointing their phone flashlights at the documents. Now, you know, if you point your phone's flashlight at something, you're also pointing the camera at that thing. And if any of these phones were insecure and hacked, whoever hacked their phones would have access to those documents. There was also a lot of other weird stuff that went on at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, a guy took a, a member, took a photo uh, of a, a guy who he claimed carries around the nuclear football. Uh, and Trump brought Abe to a wedding and said to Abe about the groom, oh, this guy's given me tons of money. He's been a member forever. He's given me a ton of money. That's not something you say to a foreign head of state. He, he really is, in every sense of the phrase, the Mar-a-Lago president. Uh, speaking of Florida, uh, Trump is going to hold a rally at the Orlando airport this weekend. And, you know, he had a really awful week. Lots of scandal, lots of really bad coverage. And this rally is because he is having a bruised ego and he needs attention and validation, kind of like North Korea does when they when they shoot missiles off. You know, this is what happens when you elect a giant orange baby president of the United States. I highly recommend if you're near Orlando that you go to this rally. Uh, let Donald Trump know what you think. Uh, he shouldn't just hear from his diehard supporters. And I'm sure there'll be organized protests as well. I'll put a link on the website to, to the to the place where you can register for tickets, assuming they're still giving them out. I'm not sure if they are or not. Uh, on his second day at the Department of Justice, Attorney General Jeff Sessions filed a motion in a lawsuit uh, that states had brought against the Obama administration for Obama's order, which basically said you should be decent to transgender people. Uh, the legal move is complicated. If you want to deta the details, there's a BuzzFeed story about it on uh, the website, the trumpscorecard.org. But basically what Sessions did was send a signal that they are not likely to defend the suit and that they will probably reverse the Obama order. And this is not a surprise. We did not expect the Trump administration to suggest that we should treat transgender people like people. Executive orders uh, become official once they're printed in the Federal Register, and that, that version of them in the Federal Register is the official version. And USA Today did a really interesting thing. They compared the official version in the Federal Register with the version that the Trump White House printed on its website, and they found all sorts of discrepancies. And, and here's what they reported. The differences include minor grammatical changes, missing words, and paragraph renumbering, but also two cases where the original text referred to inaccurate or non-existent provisions of law. Now, these aren't huge substantive differences, but it's really more of a sign of how this White House operates, about like the chaos 
and the ineptitude and the incompetence, and you just see this across the board. Finally, I can't go without mentioning the uh, first cabinet nominee uh, for Trump to withdraw his name from nomination. Uh, That's Secretary of Labor nominee, Andrew Puzder, and he was the literal worst. He was the CEO or is the CEO of the company that uh, owns Hardee's and Carl Jr.'s restaurant. And, you know, they had constant complaints from workers, including rampant complaints of sexual harassment. Puzder himself said that he hired the worst of the worst to work in his restaurants. He wanted to replace as many of his workers as he could with robots. And this was the guy they wanted to hire to be Secretary of Labor. He also uh, hired a domestic worker and didn't pay taxes. And he, his ex-wife went on Oprah to accuse him of beating her. He's basically a horrendous human being, and I honestly hope he feels bad for losing this job. I've been talking for the last few weeks about the effects of Trump's Muslim ban, but Muslims aren't the only immigrants that Trump has been targeting. Uh, All across the country, Latino families are terrified because immigration and customs enforcement has been stepping up their raids on undocumented immigrants. And some of the stories about these raids are horrific. In Alexandria, Virginia, uh, men were leaving a shelter that a church had set up to protect them from the cold. And as they were leaving this shelter, they were arrested by ICE agents. Um, In El Paso, Texas, a woman was in court because she was getting a protective order uh, because her partner was abusive. And her partner tipped off ICE, and they came to court and arrested her as she was getting the order. Honestly, in some cases, this is just a matter of basic human decency. And then there's the story of Guadalupe Garcia de Reos. Uh, you know, Guadalupe is also my mother's name, and it's my sister's name. So I feel like this, uh, like I, you know, they're both immigrants. I feel like I was watching a member of my own family. That's my friend Gabe Ortiz. He's a digital organizer with the immigrants' rights group America's Voice, and he told me a little bit more about Guadalupe's story. Uh, Guadalupe is a is a mom of two U.S. is a mom of two U.S. citizens. She lived in uh, Arizona for twenty years. Um, and she had been swept up in one of Joe Arpaio's workplace raids, um, I think about seven or eight years ago. And for all that time since then, she had checked in regularly at her, at an ICE office without incident. And she got to go home after. Um, and her first visit under the Trump administration, um, she was arrested and, uh, and deported. So, you know, Donald Trump likes to make this, you know, he says he's looking for only to arrest and deport uh, bad hombres. Uh, She was definitely not that. These raids, like I said, they're going on all over the country, but they are targeting a particular kind of person and in a particular place. During the campaign trail, Donald Trump promised uh, a deportation force. And what we've been seeing during the last couple of days is that promise uh, beginning to unfold. Uh, I think according to the most recent numbers that I saw uh, from the New York Times is that at least uh, 680 undocumented immigrants were uh, swept up in ICE raids uh, in at least 11 states. Uh, and these are in, in big cities like Los Angeles and, and Chicago and New York where they have really big immigrant populations. So uh, there's definitely um, 
some vindictiveness from the administration uh, in terms of where these raids are happening. Trump is especially likely to go after sanctuary cities. Uh, Gabe said a little bit more about what that means. It's probably easiest to start with explaining what it can't do, um, and that is it can't stop uh, federal immigration agents from coming in and uh, detaining uh, immigrants. You know, once the feds are in, they're, they're in. But what it can do is that it can say that uh, local resources, and that includes local police department, uh, are not going to be used to help uh, apprehend and uh, sweep up uh, immigrants. Uh, it also says that, uh, if, for example, if local police do uh, detain an immigrant, let's say for shoplifting, um, they would not ask about their immigration status. Um, and if, you know, they're put in jail for the six hours, whatever it is, um, to process them for that shoplifting, uh, they would not hold them for longer than that if federal immigration agents asked them to hold them so that they could come and arrest them. And Trump is threatening them with more than just rounding up immigrants. Well, we're seeing um, Donald Trump's threats over sanctuary cities uh, beginning to, to unfold because during the campaign, uh, he uh, promised that he would uh, uh, revoke federal funding for cities. That means he's going to cut funds for things like schools, health care, public safety, all because these cities have policies that are decent to undocumented immigrants. Uh, and look, deportations, they're nothing new. There were plenty of complaints that President Obama's policies were too aggressive when it came to uh, deportations. And I think those complaints were very fair. But there is a difference. You know, under the Obama administration, I, I don't want to get into like this whole like good, good immigrant versus bad immigrant thing. But the Obama administration had been at least trying to focus its priorities on on folks who posed uh, a threat to public safety and focus less like, you know, on moms and dads and, you know, housekeepers like my mom. Um, and what Donald Trump is doing, he's basically throwing out that, he's throwing that out the window. And uh, basically, essentially anybody who is undocumented is uh, a target for this administration. And, and that's really the, the biggest difference between this one and, and the last one. It is worse under Trump, but there's also some hope. This is a really scary time for a lot of immigrant families, but um, they should know that even if they are here without papers, they have basic rights. And that doesn't change uh, regardless of who's president. If it had been Hillary Clinton or, or Donald Trump, they have rights. And there are uh, groups and allies who want to help them. And yes, Gabe says you can make a difference. The, the great thing is that folks actually have started uh, fighting back. Maybe they don't realize it yet, but uh, in in terms of going out and protests for rally, I mean, look at these really great rallies that we saw at airports during the past couple weeks. I mean, just to have that sort of visual support is really more helpful than, than folks realize. He suggested that both immigrants who are facing deportation, as well as activists who care about this issue, visit informedimmigrant.com. I'll have a link, of course, to it on the website. Uh, And don't forget to keep calling your members of Congress about this issue especially. It really does matter. Uh, Gabe had a special message for one member of Congress in particular. I would specifically call out Paul Ryan because 
he had the nerve, uh, I think it was sometime last month, he had a town hall and a dreamer had asked him if she had a reason to worry about a deportation force. And he told her in, in, in plain terms, oh, you have nothing to worry about. I would love to hear him answer that question again after these few days of, of raids and families being uh, uh, tormented by uh, a deportation force. And yes, Congress should act because it is damn clear that Donald Trump is going to. And as long as he can do whatever he wants, people are going to keep living in fear. As always, we're going to end another terrible, terrible week on a lighter note. Uh, Trump has been furious at a judge who put a temporary restraining order on his Muslim ban. Uh, He tweeted furiously uh, at the judge. If you listened last week, you heard some of those tweets. Um, This week, a a panel of judges from the Ninth Circuit uh, upheld that temporary restraining order, and he's angry about that, too. And he tweeted and he quoted this article from Lawfare, a, a website about the law, and here's what he quoted. Remarkably, in the entire opinion, the panel did not bother even to cite the statute. And Trump added in his own style, a disgraceful decision. And fair enough, that's a pretty critical quote of the panel's decision. But Trump didn't link to the article that he was quoting, and there were a few key quotes that he didn't tweet out. For example, uh, the Ninth Circuit is correct to leave the temporary restraining order in place. In other words, the article actually agreed with the panel's decision. And it also described Trump's actions this way. The incompetent malevolence with which this order was promulgated. The incompetent malevolence. That is a gorgeous turn of phrase and 100% accurate. Uh, Trump didn't quote that part, you'll notice. Uh, I'd link to that article, of course, uh, as well as all the stories I covered today on the website. That's thetrumpscorecard.org. I want to thank Gabe Ortiz for talking to me and Gabe and everyone else. I'm really sorry about the sound quality of the interview. I had to MacGyver the recording onto my computer. Uh, Please, please, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends to subscribe as well. Put it on Facebook. uh, Tweet about it. If you like the podcast, please help me share the word. Um, You can rate the podcast on iTunes. That would be a big help. My personal suggestion would be that you rate it five stars. Uh, Also, if you can write a review on iTunes, that would be great. Uh, As always, I would love it for you to to email me with uh, tips for stories I should cover or suggestions for ways to improve the podcast. You can email me at thetrumpscorecard at gmail.com and reach me on Twitter at Jesse Burney. The Trump Scorecard is written, hosted, edited, and produced by me, Jesse Burney. Our music is from bensound.com. I'll be back next week, and remember, this is not normal. Normal.